Growth Mindset Moment, a Rug Radio production. We're all about self-leadership through mental, physical, and spiritual well-being methods to maximize our daily potential. Owning our behaviors while supporting our friends, how much more Web3 does it get? There's a hack, habit, or protocol. We are talking about it. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, a.k.a. Rosinante, the Web3 Sensei. And I am joined tonight by my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, a.k.a. Schmooper Girl, the Web3 Standards Engineer. We have both been on this growth mindset journey together while shining our light on those around us, showing that we all have everything we need inside us to grow and thrive. And sometimes being reminded of that is all we really need. Thank you for joining the self-leadership movement today. The show format is we have a 15 to 20 minute conversation about growth mindset topic of the week or follow up with our guest of the week from our podcast, where you can check that out at thestarspodcast.com, anywhere you download your podcast from. Our stage is always open, so if something calls you and you want to weigh in, hit that request button on the bottom left of your screen. We'll bring you up and you can join the conversation with us. If coming up on stage isn't for you, leave us a comment in the chat bubble at the bottom right, and we'll get to you very shortly. And make sure you come up on stage at the end of the show for a game of this or that. All right, let's jump into it. Hey everyone, this is Gs for Great, the host of the Mindful Moment Meditation every Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your weekly growth mindset moment stretch with my two favorite humans, Ron and Alyssa. Yo, yo, yo. So here's my uh, growth mindset stretch this week, and it's it's going to be related to tonight's topic uh, that we will eventually get into. But did you know that the first officially recognized deck building card game tournament was held at Gen Con in 1996, and the game was Magic? The tournament only had eight players, and the winner, his name was Mark Lapine, walked away with a set of the game's new expansion pack, Mirage. Um, and now... As you know, these card deck building games have completely gone bananas. Um, now, Magic the Gathering community, uh, the highest grossing player was Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa. It's a Brazilian player, so apologies for butchering that name. But anyhow, a Pro Tour and Grand Prix events in 2020 earned over $500,000. Now, that pales in comparison to uh, the poker players who are... The, the top poker player was Bryn Kenny and had won over $56 million. But anyhow, I just thought that going from 1996 to 2021 went from really just winning some packs of cards to winning $500,000. Um, I, I just thought that it was really interesting. And with uh, with our guest tonight, you're going to also understand like he's a big compete and collect player. And that's something that I think was um, that we could bring around town. So. Yeah, that's my GMM stretch for today. Um, my GMM stretch is unrelated to anything that with that at all. I so uh, no disrespect. I I just didn't focus on that. <laughs> totally. Great. I I you know I'm really trying every week to like just explore something that I've never really cared about before, mm -hmm. and I was specifically really inspired by the big giant NFT ducks we have sitting at our coffee table. So as you all know, NFT NYC was last week. Ron traveled to NFT NYC, and if you saw any of his pictures from there or you saw him there, you saw he had the ducks, the NF Daddy ducks, and they were 3D printed by a member of the community and a good friend. Um, 
So we we have still very giant um, NFC chipped 3D printed ducks in our living room. So I was like curious. I was like, okay, how much do I know about 3D print printing? And I didn't know anything. So I'm just going to give you a fun fact about 3D printing. 3D objects. The first printer to create 3D objects was in 1983. And that was just a year after the first CD. And it was invented by a guy named Chuck Hall, who had a small business that made um, acrylic tabletop coatings. And um, what, what I found interesting about that is actually 3D printing existed before the internet, the public internet did. It actually, 3D printing was around before that. So I think it's just fascinating that we're living in a time right now where we're seeing people use technology in a way that in our lifetime, um, it didn't exist until our lifetime. And now it's being utilized more regularly. Now, I just, I get blown away by stuff like that. 3D printing, like, I don't know. My kids will never know what it's like to not have a cell phone. So it's just stuff like that I find fascinating. So there you go. That's your stretch on 3D printing. Learn something new. The 3D printing ecosystem has really completely blown away um even just acrylics they they can now like 3d print precious metals and all types of things they put them on navy ships as well oh to oh fabricate material yeah 90 percent of jewelry now 3d printers are utilized to make 90 percent of the jewelry that's made today i learned that in this exercise so there you go that's insane all right let's switch gears here we go. Tonight, our guest is a fellow V friend. And what caught my eye was, A, they wanted to get on podcasts. So anybody who is like open to just jumping on a new podcast, they're just looking to grow themselves and wanting to get that exposure, we're all about it. You, you've never been on a podcast before? Come on our podcast. It's, it's like one of those things that really gives me a lot of joy to have somebody be their first, second, third podcast to be ours. Um, also, what caught my eye, owner of a crime scene cleanup company. Now, I have tons of questions about that um, for sure. However, then I found out that this person also just got into Web3. They're obviously a V-friend, Fly Fish Club, Book Games, VSP, but they're also starting to stream and put themselves out there on camera, on mic, um, doing box breaks and doing compete and collect box breaks. So those of you who are familiar with the ecosystem know that V Friends has the characters, they have the the cards, and Mr. Gervasio, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm super excited to jump into sort of your journey. We did talk earlier uh, this week and some of the journey that you've gone through not only just in this Web3 space, but something I think that a lot of our listeners are going to get a lot of value from is your story about how you even became the owner of a crime scene cleanup company and what pushed you into that uh, that journey. So w- what I'd like to do is, if we could, just kind of start off by giving us a little background as to that, uh, that initial um, company that you were with and what you were doing there whenever you're doing the inside sales? Yeah, so I was in inside sales right out of college. I actually started at the New York Jets. 
Mets, my first job um, when they were transitioning stadiums, was there for about a year and a half. Then I started working in New York City at a finance company, um, again, doing inside sales. And about halfway through my position there, I was promoted to manager. And then um, after four years there, I got recruited at a payroll company in a suburb of Philly in, in Pennsylvania uh, who wanted, who was looking to launch an inside sales department. So I got uh, a friend of mine worked there. He said they were looking to start an inside sales department. They wanted someone to lead it up. So it seemed like a great opportunity. My wife is from this area. So, you know, that also was a bonus. So we moved down and, and I worked there and, you know, it was, it, it was a good time. There was some good people there. There was two lead generation people that I was managing. Um, fast forward four years, we had a team of 25. We were the top selling uh, team on the, in the company. And, you know, things were going well um, for the team. But as far as me, I, I just, I wasn't getting a lot of fulfillment. But because we were doing so well, they wanted to put some resources into the department and they assigned an executive who's never been in sales or, you know, never oversaw a team. So we just didn't see eye to eye and, um, you know, things didn't kind of go the way that I thought or was told it was going to go. So, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do my own thing. Um, my wife, um, after a couple, you know, failed attempts, got pregnant and, um, you know, I just was like, this was the right time uh, to start looking to do something else, maybe do something for myself. So yeah. that's really what it is. I just kind of got sick of being in a cubicle. I was bored at my job and I just wanted to look into something for myself. So that's the that's the one thing that I think a lot of us can feel on on a number of occasions where we're just like, man, I just I'm so tired of this. I, I just want to do something different but we always sort of talk ourselves out of it. If you could, if did you use any any like what was your self-talk during that moment where you were you were having that conversation with yourself or even with your wife and being like I, I need to get out of this. What were the steps that you were kind of taking to make it happen? You know, 2 years prior to me making that decision, um my wife kind of she was in a corporate job, she was in marketing um and she hated it as well. She wasn't happy with what she was doing. She wanted to do her own thing. And at the time we were like, you know what, we can survive off my salary. So, you know what, go for it. And she wasn't pregnant at the time. So she, you know, she wanted to pursue a career and like, she's a baker and she's a fitness instructor and all this stuff. So, um, so she had left and then she just saw what it was doing to me. Um, so, so the conversations we were having, I was just coming home and, and just not being myself, she could see it. I wasn't happy. So th I, I, I just kind of had a pivotal moment. It was really when it was like they, they presented this, this expansion that we want to dump resources into the department. And, you know, but we're going to have to move you out of your office and into a cubicle. We're going to double your team, which is great, but we're going to half your commission. And I just didn't like the idea that someone had control and can determine my worth um, when I was doing everything they were asking for, it's like, if this is what my reward is for growing a team that became the top selling team in the company, like I don't want it. So 
that was kind of the push. And I've been in sales for sales for 10 years. I was like, I felt like I could sell anything as long as I had conviction in it um, and believed in it. So that was that was the confidence and just boost I needed. And just talking with my wife, she could just see that I was uh, something needed to change. So, you know, and the confidence, from there, the I, confidence that you have to have to make that move, it seems like as you built that team out, that really gave you a lot of confidence being able to expand and sort of, I mean, you came into that, not really knowing the job per se, but you had a little bit of background, but you took it and, and you ran with it. So were there any things that you were doing during that time to to grow yourself to make those types of moves? Or was it just like experience and just putting in the reps? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of that. I, I mean, my biggest role or strength that I felt was with the team was, um, you know, I, I was big on writing scripts. When I was selling stuff over the phone, which, you know, the CEO didn't believe you can sell product, especially payroll, over the phone. Um, I, I, I worked on scripts constantly and every position I had, I was writing and rewriting them and just kind of going through that reps and that th those reps really helped um, gain the confidence to sell something um, over the phone like payroll because you're transferring very delicate information. So um, that helped a lot. And I saw how much it helped the team. So that kind of led me to that um, that confidence boost of knowing it, as long as it's something that I believed in, because you're right, I didn't come from payroll. I didn't know it. Um, but it was just the constant reps for sure. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed in myself because I also do a lot of sales. And whenever you're able to practice that script, uh, even if you don't go by the script per se and you just have some sort of guideline, it gives you a lot of uh, a lot of confidence going into the conversation. Because if you get tripped up and, uh, you know, you're in the middle of something, you're like, oh, shit, like I, I need. And then you have like that. You have uh, a little bit of a playbook. So that's that's always. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would write it out. I so we started writing it out, but it had to be it, it, for me. So I wrote it as if I was how I spoke. So I didn't use words that I wouldn't use in regular language. Mm -hmm. And then I would change it up as, you know, objectives came up that were said to me. I would write, you know, little side notes of what I said or, you know, what I could say. And then eventually you just I could have done recited it in my sleep and then it just became bullet points so that yes if i was if i got lost along the way or someone threw a curveball i can reflect back to the bullet point so that always helped me um stay on track and i always was someone that wanted to go and prepared to have confidence because just winging it was was never my sh strong suit at the time but it helped me learn that so, so I have to know how, how, you know, you employed all these things and it gave you all this confidence to make this change. And you made this big change. You went out on your own. You took a big leap into a whole new direction. How did you make the decision to jump into something so completely different, like crime scene cleanup service? <laughs> um, so the story there was that I had a, a coworker. She, she had become a good friend. And this was at that last company. And she had told me, you know, maybe a year before I made the jump that her husband was in a similar sales situation. He was a salesman, I think in a medical device, um, 
you know, uh, industry and, you know, got looked over for a promotion or something and said, you know what, I'm done with this, quit and bought a company, an existing business. And he was running that. So I never met him. She was just a work colleague that I was friendly with. And I said, hey, can you, can I talk to your husband? Because I'm finding myself in a similar position. And so she gave me his number. I, you know, texted back and forth. We scheduled a call. And then he kind of became a mentor to like how to look for and shop for a business. And because I had never had any guidance on that, didn't know anything about it. So, you know, he showed me a website. It was called bizbysell dot com b i z by sell dot com and I would just scroll through the the website and look for businesses. It was existing businesses for sale, and then there was some uh, franchises on there. So I'm just scrolling through, and I knew I wanted to have it had to have certain things for me to make this leap. I had a checklist. So number one thing on my checklist was it to, it had to be fulfilling because I was just I always kept saying that. I just can't stand. I don't feel like I'm doing anything important at my current job. So I wanted something fulfilling, rewarding. So I would, I was looking for that. And I looked at a ton of different industries, you know, home health care, um, you know, retail shops. I mean, there's a ton of restaurants that are sold and you inquire and then they send you, you have to sign an NDA and then you, uh, they send you financials like last three years of financials. And this, guy, my colleague's husband was like, let me know when you get financials. We'll go through them together. He taught me the terms like EBITDA, the earnings before interest and taxes and something, I don't know the end, but you know, net profit versus gross. And we went over the financials of a bunch of different companies. And, you know, I was analyzing those. Uh, I knew I didn't want a startup. I knew I didn't have an expertise in any particular industry that I was confident enough to start on my own. So that's why I wanted to step into an existing business. I didn't do either of those. I found uh, a listing that said helping trauma victims. And the number one thing on my checklist was rewarding, fulfilling, helping people. So I clicked on it. It was kind of vague. It ended up being a franchise broker. And She's the one who kind of talked to me about this business. So it is a franchise. It's a nationwide franchise. It's small. There's about 100 owners currently. Um, and, you know, after talking to her, she was like, I represent hundreds of different franchises. This is the only one that me and my husband own. So I was like, oh, that's a pretty good sign. Then she connected me to the CEO and we go through the process of talking to other owners and it just sounded, it, it hit everything on my checklist. So I wanted to help people. Obviously, it helps people. Uh, I can run it from my house. My wife was pregnant with our first kid. Um, we ended up launching two months after he was born. It was the only income in our family. But I, I just, I had that conviction in what the product and service was. Um, so I can, and I can run it from home. I can run it from home. There's lower overhead the margins were high, so the financials made sense. And at the time, there was a 100% success rate of this franchise. There wasn't a single owner who bought in that had closed. So there was a lot of confidence-boosting things that I'm like, you know what? I believe in the service. I never heard of it. I have no interest. or uh, not. I had no experience in this industry, but I barely used power tools. And yet, I just... 
knew that it it felt right. Everything I looked at after I learned about this industry felt colorless. It was just gray. Uh, every time I was like, yeah, that sounds okay, but it it only sounds good because of the financials. It didn't have anything else on the checklist. So it, it just, it ended up feeling right. So that's kind of so, how I found it. That's awesome. I, I love the story and I love the fact that you're really pointing out that, you know, setting standards for yourself and what you're going to do is sometimes more important than the path you end up going down because you're sticking with those, um, those standards or, um, what you call a checklist, you know, you have requirements, which means minimum standards. So you set those standards and then, you know, you don't, you know, you relentlessly pursue your standards so that you can get to that. Um, and you, and sometimes it leads you down paths you never would have expected. Like who would have thought that you would have found a franchise, you know, that, you know, specializes in something that most people wouldn't even think of as a business model. So that that's really incredible. I, um, I, I appreciate you talking about having this checklist. And so I'm curious, like, you know, you talked about you had these minimum requirements around like you wanted to help people and you you were looking at revenue and you wanted to have flexibility. What do you think like your underlying principles are that like really drove you to have even set the that list in place, you know, to to, to prioritize your family and flexibility? Like what really drives you and motivates you to focus on those things and really hold that commitment? Because sometimes when it's really hard, we find that those things are hard to stick to, but you stuck with it. So what kind of motivated you? What was kind of like the thing that pushed you to really stick to those things? Um, I would probably say my wife, uh, you know, she's, I always call her my moral compass. You know, she, she always says that she's not really part of the company, but um, I think she is the, a pivotal part of it. You know, she doesn't actually participate in any of the cleanings or the books or anything in the back. But she's my moral compass. We'll go out to dinner, and when I'm having a, a hard time, she'll be like, "You know, it's fine if it doesn't seem if it doesn't profit because it's the right thing to do." So she's always been that pillar for me. Um, you know, she's like right out of college. We went to college together. Um, and the, the first job I had at the Jets, it was posted on our college's website for two days. And I didn't check those two days. She did and sent me the job listing. And that's a, so, you know, if I hadn't gone there, once I went to, once I worked there, I just, you know, the next job, I was like, you know what? I worked at the Jets. That's pretty cool. I should be picky about where I go next. And so I just kind of, I, it always needed to be something that I believe in the product and the service that I was going to be working in or, or selling. The one time I didn't do it was, you know, it, I don't want to say that fully, but when I went to a payroll, comp, I have no interest in payroll. It doesn't interest me at all, but it was the position of starting and launching a team that, you know, I had conviction in and, and really believed in. So at, I think if any way I look at it, it all comes down to, you know, the support I have with her and she really keeps me, um, to, to focus on those things. Yeah. Shout out to the partners out there. Um, I was just sharing with, um, oh my God, who was I talking to the, we were talking to someone the other day when we were on, I can't remember who I was talking to, but, um, I was sharing the fact that even like, I'm, 
you know, when you're relentlessly pursuing your purpose and it takes you down paths you don't expect, you know, having the support of a partner that, uh, that gives you the, the, um, flexibility and the support and the pathway, um, is sometimes instrumental to, to feeling confident to make a choice too. So it, it can't be never underrate the empowerment that having a supportive spouse or partner can, can give you in terms of just feeling empowered to make different types of decisions. Um, some folks are out there doing it by themselves and, you know, so never take for granted that extra support when you have an amazing partner that supports you along the way. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. I mean, cause think about someone, your partner coming to you and saying they want to quit their cushy job and start cleaning up crime scenes where, you know, I would run away from spiders. Like she, she was, but yet again, she's the only one that was like, like go for it. Even my parents, my siblings, they're like, are you out of your mind? You, you don't clean your room when you were a kid. Like you're going to clean other people's houses. But, um, you know, she, she was the only one that's like, I get it. And it's, it's perfect for you. Yeah. So I, I appreciate all of that. And I, and I echo that I'm so baffled by the whole entire business of what you're doing here. Like what, what is like a crazy story that you have about a crime scene cleanup? Like you have to have tons, right? I mean, this has to be a, a, you could probably create a whole podcast about just the stories you have about these cleanups, like without getting too gruesome, like what's something that, (laughs) what's something like comes up all the time that is, is just, I don't know. That's really interesting. I'm just going to interrupt real quick, Teacher, because I have to tell you, uh-huh. I took my, my, um, my last year of law school, I took a class with Dr. Cyril Wecht. Um, and if anyone knows who Dr. Cyril Wecht is, like just Google him and you will know who he is. He is a very tanned older gentleman who is um, a huge uh he does all the autopsies on these cases like Jean Benet Ramsey. He did he was a part of the Kennedy thing, like the whole nine yards. And I have to tell you, um, before you tell your story, because I just I got so excited. He actually in that class showed us crime scene photos and I was I was like, why am I looking at this? <laughs> I, I have no idea why I'm looking at this. So I, I have to hear your story because like I, like I said, Cyril Wecht was showing me crazy ass pictures in this class. So I can only imagine what you've seen. Yeah, you know, it's a funny story is so when you buy a franchise, um, at least pre-pandemic, um, which is when I did, I've been operating, uh, August will be five years. So just just throwing that out there. So pre-pandemic, when I when you buy a franchise, they invite you out to what's called Discovery Day, where you meet the corporate team. Uh, my corporate team was in Denver. So I flew out to Denver and met the team. And I had been, uh, at this point, I had called other owners just to kind of like, hey, can you tell me about what's the day-to-day like? You ask all these questions so that, you know, you kind of have an idea of what, you know, it's like to operate not just a business, but this business. So they had said, like, just so you know, in it at Discovery Day, they're going to show you some scenes and they're going to watch your face. And if you cringe, because it's not only you trying, like, interviewing it, it, like the company to see if you want to buy in, 
they are interviewing you because they want good candidates. They make money on your royalties. So they were very picky and choosy. It's a smaller um, franchise. So, you know, they want to bring in someone that they think is going to succeed because that's really where they make their money is royalties, not the one-time transaction of the franchise sale. So they said they're going to like put up pictures and, you know, one person is going to be watching the faces of the, because it wasn't just me there. There was like three or four other potential buyers. They're going to watch the faces of you and see if you like cringe. So I was like, you know what? It's pretty um, did weird, you, did and, you bring but a, a funny lunch? tactic. Did you bring a lunch just to like, <laughs> be stone cold and like have a tuna sandwich while you're doing it? <laughs> <laughs> I should have. That's not a bad move. What I actually did though is I, probably am on some FBI list because I was Googling crime scene photos beforehand. I was like training, teaching myself and I'm like looking at them and at home, I'm like, Oh God, but I know I can't say that when I'm there. But so I like what looked up photos and looked up like the scenes of crimes and suicides and undiscovered deaths and decompositions and all that. And to like train myself. So I do, I, I get it. I mean, the scenes are horrific. Um, there are some really tragic stories. Most, you know, obviously all of them are pretty tragic, you know, ones with high school schoolers, because um, there's a, a whole bunch of, of, unfortunately, that type of situation in my area. Um, craziest story was my third month after owning, there was a car bombing near me and they, the city, um, called me about it and i was like i don't know what i'm doing but i'll go and you know i'll check it out and and i actually ended up doing it and we were on the news for it and i had to call in a couple of the other franchise owners to come and help me because we had to clear like a complete city block because there was debris everywhere they brought in like bucket trucks to lift us up to clean the facade of like a three-story apartment building it was um that was the most unique thing still to this day. And it was my third month in. Yo, that's insane. Three months. So, I mean, I can't even imagine just the classes probably that you've had to take about just the legal ramifications, being able to control maybe even evidence of some sort. Like I'm sure that there's a bunch of nuance to it, but man, that three months in, you're already cleaning up car bomb and geez, oh man, a car bombing. What the hell was going on? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I never expected that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, there's a couple here's, unfortunate. Here's the thing, too, that you did, though, and I think this is like a valuable piece of information for anybody, is you were you were in discovery mode. And, and I think that's the research that goes into that next step that we're all trying to take. So it's not so, like, big, hairy, audacious, you know, that, that whole meaning behind it. You sort of take some of the mystery out of it whenever you start to go down. You were Googling those photos and you were uh, talking to the other other franchise owners and you were doing discovery of your own uh, to demystify that unknown. And that is something in, inside a growth mindset that you can change your situation through education always. And that's something that I think is profound for a lot of us is that methodology that you went on. Uh, just to gain the knowledge to make that next step. I thought I just wanted to dig back in on that because I think it's really something that holds us back, right? Because we don't we don't know what the next thing is until we start tiptoeing our ourselves into it. Um, so I just wanted to applaud you for that to 
doing that research and, and sharing that for your story. I, I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of listeners will also appreciate that as well. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a big thing of what I'm doing and the reason I'm putting myself out there, like you mentioned recently, is because, you know, a, a lot of times I put out a tweet um, telling my story in a it was like a thread and it got a, it, it, it was the biggest response I've ever gotten on Twitter. I'm not, a, I wasn't a big Twitter person um, prior to be friends, but, um, you know, people saying like, you know, I wish I had, I wish I could do something like you did. And it's just, it, I'm finding that people, it, there's so much to know when you're owning or starting a business that, you know, I've heard the term analysis paralysis, where it's just so overwhelming when you think of all of the things that go into owning a business, QuickBooks, you know, financials, and then, you know, Google AdWords and marketing and all the, you have to wear every hat and they just go, ah, that's too much. I can't do it. You know, I'll never do all that. And I'm like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. It's, and I want to make it more accessible. So I have started a podcast recently. Um, I've only, and, and I'm just, I haven't, you know, promoted it at all yet. I'm going to do that. What I'm doing is like recording myself in 15 to 20 minute increments of like each stage of the buying process and then starting process. And just to try to make it seem not as, cause I, I had no experience in any of this. And I started looking in November and I launched, I bought it in May and launched in August. So, you know, it, that was the timeline and I got an SBA loan. So I hope to talk about that. Like there's a lot that go into it. Sure. And it's not easy, but it's not, it, it is accessible and you don't need to know everything right out the gate. You don't have to prepare everything. I didn't know QuickBooks at all. I'll learn it later. There's YouTube videos. And that's exactly what I did. You know, insurances. I have about 10 different insurance policies because I'm handling biohazards and I don't know the super details of each policy. I don't need to. And if I spent 10, you know, tens of hours of learning about it, you know, I just feel like there's better time. There's other things to spend on. I, I found a broker. He worked with other bio ones. And, you know, I just kind of went on. I let him tell me what I needed and I just paid for it. And now I know I'm covered. He tells me you're good to go. And that's it. I move on. Like I didn't get wrapped up because if I tried to, that would have been another thing, another hurdle I would have had to jump over. There are ways to do it. And it's not, it is hard, but it's not as complicated to where it's, you shouldn't even try. I I think that that's so important for folks as they contemplate, you know, new adventures uh, in general. And, and I've been really transparent about my own journey about, you know, kind of making a transition over from where my career was to where I'm at now, where I came in and I didn't know absolutely everything about what it is that I needed to do, but I knew that I had the capacity to figure it out. And you can't ever underestimate the power behind being able to figure it out. And I'll just like go off on one big tangent here is, is in the workforce, it goes back to sort of ideologies that are reinforced in the way that our workforce has been constructed over time. And people may think this is really like off on a tangent, but it's it's just true that men really are empowered 
throughout their careers to look at the potential and be promoted on their potential and to take risks based upon the potential that they will have to learn along the way and execute. Whereas women are treated more risk aversely and therefore behave more risk aversely at times where they're not promoted based upon their potential. They're they're held back and promoted once they've showed that they can produce results. And so we are less pro, we are more inclined to maybe not take a risk based upon what our potential is, but more or less where our experience lies. And that's just a big growth opportunity uh, across the board, I feel, for for everyone to really embrace if you ha- feel like you fall into that category, um, that but your potential to execute and learn is so sometimes way more valuable than any practical experience you have. And you, when you combine your practical experience with your potential and capacity to learn and to figure it out, you really can become unstoppable in whatever it is you pursue, regardless of gender. So I say all that because it's affected my, it's affected me and the risks I'm willing to take on myself, but also how I parent my kids uh, as well into, you know, empowering them to, to take those type of risks too. And, you know, I, I know this wasn't really like on the agenda, but I'm just curious, like these type, this path you've taken, you know, you mentioned you have kids, you know, does that, does, does it impact the way you parent at all or the way that, you know, that you've kind of been empowered to kind of learn this way? Does it, does it impact the way you parent and how you um, approach different things with, 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 with the kid factor? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, like I said, I wanted to, I love that I can operate it from my home in my basement because I'm around my kids a lot more than I would have been able to uh, if I, you know, worked in my eight to five job. So um, that was a big thing. But I've, yeah, so I, you know, going through school, you know, I w- my dad's a doctor. He owns his own practice. So technically he's, you know, his own small business owner, but he's never really talked to me about that. He was big on education, you know, as my mother was, you know, go to school, go to college, get a good job. That's what I was taught to do. And it just didn't like for 10 years, I did it thinking that that's what I was just supposed to do, but it didn't feel right. Um, and, and there was a, a boiling point to where I made this leap. So I, I mean, my kids are four and two, um, so, you know, I'm not giving down big, small business owner life lessons yet, but what I am trying to do is to kind of, like, be your own person, like, you don't have to, like, I I didn't lay out, I'm not going to lay out their path of the first 21 or 22 years of their life by saying, you know, good grades, college, you know, go get a job. I I don't want to lay it out for them, and I would... I'm going to definitely let them, I'm going to see what they're naturally interested in and support that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, like our kids are older, but you can also empower them to figure stuff out. Like sometimes, sometimes instead of like jumping in, like to your point, like you as parents, we don't have to give them a whole path. We just have to empower them to choose a path and to make those choices. So that's, that's a big part of it too, is you can empower them to figure it out along the way well, and, and still figuring it out for them. And they're also seeing you in a happy situation um, versus seeing you kind of begrudgingly go into your nine to five or eight to four, whatever that case is. 
um, whenever they're going to emulate what their parents are doing to a certain extent. So you're giving them a really good example um, by being and enjoying what you're doing now and, and having some fun with it. Uh, speaking of having fun, I did want to jump into what you're what you've transitioned into now is uh, really putting yourself out there. I had a lot of fun on. I did attend one of the box breaks recently uh, with the competing with the V Friends competing collects, um, where you've been streaming on Twitch and doing some battles, uh, box battles with uh, some of the other V Friends and other collectors. So, what uh, what's that about? What are what's your draw to the V Friends competing collects? Um, just kind of run us through what's up there. I'm just, you know, it's part of my getting, I'm very uncomfortable, you know, putting myself out there. Um, I don't know if you saw my gratitude tweet. I see Jeremy in here. Um, I, I, you know, he was a big part of me finally taking that step. So shout out to Jeremy. Um, but you know, it's really, it was like an entryway to me. It's, it was easy. I'm not trying to talk anyone into doing anything. I'm not trying to give advice. I'm not, you know, doing the things that I'm, gonna eventually want to do on the podcast which is you know trying to make if you hate your job like don't stay in it it's not as inaccessible to do your own thing as you may think that's that's a to me that's a heavy load to try to tell someone um so the way for me like i'm i'm trying to live within my comfort zone but just ever expand my comfort zone so, you know, expand, expand it 10% every, you know, so often just so that I, it's not, I'm like a fish out of water. So to me, like the, the competing collect, I mean, I just, I, I enjoy it to, to one, I can't afford to, to sink all of the money I put into, you know, however many boxes of competing collect into V1 cards, plus there's no game attached. So, you know, to me, it was just it's in the community that I follow and, and enjoy being a part of. And, um, you know, enough people are in it that I have met and talked to. And I talked to people about these cards and I just, it just became like an everyday, um, you know, enjoyment of mine. And then I just figured I want, maybe this will be a good segue because there's no pressure of like, talking and being interesting and and educating and all that it's just like hey come on and we'll open packs together and i got i'm getting more comfortable being in front of a camera which was terrifying to me i mean oh yeah i, I was gotta, never you someone gotta put in those reps on the camera being being in front of that camera right is uh you until you do reps and listen to yourself back um does it only get it gets way better um but I, something that you did bring up and I think is really interesting and I hear it all the time is you do want to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, but not too uncomfortable where it's just like crippling just a little bit, just a little bit each time, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then before you know it, like your uncomfortable zone, like what what you thought was unattainable six months ago is now just something that you do all the time. And I think that that's just something that. I, I like about the situation that you're in too, because you're talking about a competing collect. So it takes the pressure off of you, but also gives you enough uncomfortability to be in front of the camera, talking on the microphones and, and doing all that stuff to, to then empower you into the podcast. So I think just understanding the process uh, f for, for our listeners, for the, your future listeners, 
is really important to to be able to break those things down um, because I think far too often we're, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, um, Alyssa, where it was like, you know, you're told to get in shape, but in order to get in shape, you got to work out and you got to eat right. And then you got to get the clothes and then you got to do this and then you got to do that. And you're like, oh, my God, like by the time I figure out what everything I have to do, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do anything. So being able to break it down and just do it piece by piece by piece is really how you're going to get to that uncomfortability to make it comfortable. So I just really appreciated that process that you put yourself through. Yeah. I mean, that's that analysis paralysis that you, mm-hmm. you know, when you said all the things that go into working out, I get it. That's also something I'm working on. That's, you know, staying in shape has been something I struggled with forever. And that's something I'm constantly working on. But, you know, you, like you mentioned, I put out, Hey, who has a podcast? That was my first try. My first trial was like, who has a podcast? that's looking for guests. I have a pretty interesting job that I'm happy to talk about. That was the first, the very first thing I ever tried or put out there to put myself out there. And I'm like, I just want to see if I'm interesting enough to engage a podcast. I still don't know. You know, I've done, this is my third guest appearance and I have not put out my own and promoted it yet. So, you know, um, I'm still putting in the reps. I'm trying to learn. I didn't realize there was like, how much in the audience when I agreed to this, which was weeks and weeks ago, but you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm working on it. You're crushing it, man. Don't, yeah. You're absolutely Doing great. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say you, you really are. And, um, I think you have a lot of value to give to whoever it is that you're talking to. Um, if it's about compete and collect, if it's about anything like do they, because here's the thing that I've already noticed about you and from our previous conversation and this conversation and some and a lot of the conversation that we have on this podcast in general is most of the time those with a growth mindset are also good educators and they educate only on things that they've dug into because they don't want to be a person who is like perceived as uh, halfway or flaky or anything like that. Like you want to be on top of your shit. Because that's where you're the most powerful and the most comfortable. But in order for you to get there, you got to do a lot of digging and a lot of research and being able to put a lot of those reps in before you actually put yourself out there. Um, And that's something that I've just noticed in general about some high achievers is that's what happens. Um, And and they all go through the same process that you're in. But um, yeah, I I just wanted to say I appreciate everything you've given us tonight and uh, what I what I know that you're going to give us in the future as well uh, with your podcast and whatever you do on Twitch as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that being said, I do want to do a hard transition. We we're getting, we're getting late here. I didn't even realize what time it was. I got lost in the conversation. (laughs) So um, if anybody wants to jump up here for the, this or that game, Alyssa, do you have anything else that we need to plug before we get into this or that? Um, just always remember, check out Vias for Great Spaces on Tuesday at 4.30. You heard him, his little promo at the beginning, but we're always so happy to support him. And if you all have anything that you'd like us to promote, just hit us up on our DM. We're happy to pin tweets up in the crow's nest and, um, you know, give you a shout out and raise some awareness to what you're working on. Um, you know, it's it's all about community and, you know, we're a part of a community. 
community and we have a community and um, we appreciate you. So if there's a way that we can, you know, help raise awareness to what you're working on, we'd love to do that. I just wanted to like quickly remind everyone, we talked about this at the beginning of the hour, but um, this is my crypto name and the audience down below will be on Hugs Space on Thursday at 4.30s. Go check that out. That's pinned up above. Um, he has an amazing project called Pixel Mix. Um, just such a innovative way to take your wallet and turn it into a piece of art. Um, and it changes every day based upon your wallet activity. It's really awesome. So um, I encourage everyone to check that out for sure. Um, and special shout out to all of you friends down below in the crowd. Again, if there's something that, you know, I can, I can shout out for you, just, uh, shoot me a DM. Happy to do that for you. Yeah. Also too, uh, you guys know that we are on the expand app for our rewards program. Um, and the listen to earn code for tonight. So I have also down in the chat. So if you go down into the bottom right hand side, the chat bubble and you look down, it's sending right now. Uh, it should be posted right now. So if you look down at the very last one, I have posted the link for the gmm.expandrewards.xyz. And once you go to that site, you're able to create your username, password, and all of that. Um, and every single week and really throughout the week, I'm putting out here bounties, and those bounties will earn you points. And tonight's listen to earn code. So if you've, you're here, you're obviously listening to earn. And the code, whenever you go to gmm.expandrewards.xyz, the code is crime scene. C-R-I-M-E-S-C-E-N-E. -E -E. And the, uh, the capitalization, none of that should matter. It's all uh, case insensitive. Um, so, yeah, crime scene is the code. I put that in there. And... Really excited for you guys all to check out uh, the catalog as well. We're going to be adding so much more to this catalog. Right now, it's just uh, very limited, but we're adding NFTs. We're adding physical merch. We're adding all of all types of things, uh, all of our brand partners as well. We're bringing them in on the mix. So, yeah, gmm.expandrewards.xyz. Create your profile and uh, do that listen to earn and then type in crime scene. There's always tons of th stuff going on throughout the week. Uh, Twitter reshares and all of that, it all gets you points that you can then cash in for cool prizes. All right, we ready for uh, for some this or that? I sure am. Let's go. And now is the time you've all been waiting for. It is the growth mindset moment, this or that. Everybody get up on stage. Let's get it going. I got some weird ones tonight. Would you rather live in a world without colors or a world without sound? And just go ahead and blurt it out. Without no colors. colors. Without colors, yeah. Without colors. Colors. I think uh, I want no sound. I'm going to say colors. Yeah, no mouth noises would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no sound for me. <laughs> Brielle says no mouth noises would be pretty solid. <laughs> that is a sensitivity she certainly has. Um, yeah. Would you rather have feet for hands or hands for feet? 
Hands for feet. Hands for feet. Hands for feet. Yeah, no. Hands for feet, 100%. Hands for feet, yeah. I freaking love these ones so much. <laughs> what, would you, what would you prefer feet for hands, though? I, I, there's no way that you could do anything with feet for hands. They're, like, why? You can run you know, on a I horse. I see a lot of people who have had some difficult situations in life figure out how to use their feet for everything. So I believe it's doable. I just really think it'd probably be an easier transition, having had both hands and feet, to learn to walk on my hands as opposed to doing things with my feet that I typically do with my hands. I know. Could you? That was exactly wear, how I did do it. Imagine trying to wear gloves. <laughs> Jeez, this this whole world would be different. All right. Would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or be able to fly? Talk to animals. Talk to animals. Fly. I'm going to... So here's the thing. I have ridden the Harry Potter rides at Universal Studios where you can simulate flying and that made me want to throw up so if <laughs> unless like i could avoid need to throw up while flying i'm going to go ahead and talk to animals i'm just going to convince a bunch of birds to fly me around it's fine Ooh. Oh, solid Ooh, Ooh, i like good. that idea good moves good i love moves. that idea yes i want to talk to animals and fly with the birds yes i like that celia you're up on stage welcome I am. Thank I've, you. I've missed you. How have you been? Doing great. Doing great. I've good. missed you too. I've been in the audience, but I couldn't get up. So I know. Now I'm here. Good, good. Hey, yeah, all right. Green. Would you rather always feel like you're walking on jelly or walking on sandpaper? Jelly. Sandpaper. 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 Sandpaper, jelly is sticky and mushy and moist. So, no. Oh my God. Sandpaper? <laughs> but then your poor feet, they're going to be all scratched. No. They'll callous. They'll callous. You can run sweetheart. I feel like it's like a constant pedicure. I'm here for it. Give me the sandpaper. Sandpaper it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's so good. All right. Let's wrap it up with this one. Would you rather eat only raw meat or only eat raw vegetables for the rest of your life? Ooh, raw meat. Meat. Veggies. Yeah, veggies. Vegetables. You think I'm trying to get worms? Vegetables. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, uh, is that only the, the only thing you can eat? Like, or can you eat like well cooked no. meat nope, and veggies? Nope. No, raw veggies um, only. Okay, I'll die of hunger. <laughs> <laughs> raw, raw veggies are like raw meat. No, that's no. Some, some of the biggest it. animals in the world only eat vegetables. So, like, here we go. I, I know, and like, is. I'm not here for salmonella or any other weird shit. A good steak tartare, Ooh, I'm in you. for it. I'm just saying. I do enjoy one. Right. Marcus is raw meat, like his hamburgers or whatever. It's like super extremely raw. It's horrible. That doesn't surprise me. He's He's an animal. <laughs> an absolute animal. Yeah. Savage, even, some will say. 
I'm with you, Marcos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, thank you all so much for jumping up on stage, having some fun here at the end. We'll be back same time, same place next week, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. We'll be back with another Growth Mindset Moment and a new guest, um, new topics, always a, always a pleasure. Um, also, we just dropped an episode today uh, with Loxley, who is the co-CEO of Rug Radio. Um, I urge you to listen to that. He breaks down some of where he comes from, where where the transition came in for Rug Radio, and it was really a unique opportunity for us to get a chance to talk with Loxley. Um, that is out right now on Spotify, so make sure you check out our Growth Mindset Moment Spotify account over on iTunes, uh, Google Play Store, wherever you download your stuff from. It's out there. Um, would really appreciate that. Anybody, I'm also going to put out a bounty inside of the rewards program. It's going to be a pretty heavy bounty. And anybody who leaves me a uh, a comment inside or a review on that podcast and takes a screenshot of it, proves it, you're going to get healthily rewarded for doing that and subscribing to our podcast. So those are some things that we're going to be uh, rewarding big time uh, out there in the space. So check us out next time. Same place, same time. Love you guys. Take care. Enjoy the journey.